How many know that when we follow Jesus Christ, there's often resistance by the world and the flesh? Yes? Anytime you follow the things of God, there's always going to be resistance from the flesh, from the world. And that takes on different forms, doesn't it? And so last week we opened up this thought. We opened up this thought about how, how Jesus was in the temple and he was teaching. And, and we remember that when they came back and they found Jesus, that he was in the temple teaching. And they said, I'm about the father's business. And we opened up a little bit on that and, and how everyone in this room, anyone that calls themselves a follower of Jesus, anyone that calls themselves a lover of God, anyone that calls themselves a, a scripture-driven individual, you cannot help but be about the Father's business. There has to be at least a thought. Is that right? It has to be a thought. Because we live in a world that's a constant thrust toward wanting to live for the flesh. We live in a world that's in a constant thrust, wanting to live in the ways that our, our mind and our pride and our upbringing. How many know that our upbringing sometimes wasn't the most godliest upbringing sometimes? Yeah. Many of you. We have this upbringing and so we have this taught. Even those, who, those of us that grew up in Christian homes, you know that sometimes uh, things in the outside didn't quite look like it was at home. And so sometimes people talk more about Jesus in this space than in your home space. And there's a contradiction of terms here, isn't there? But the truth is that there's not a single one of us that should be about our own business, but we should instead be about the Father's business. So we opened up a little bit about that last week. So if you would allow me just a moment, I want to take a 90 second and recap a little bit about what we talked about last week so we can pick up where we left off. We talked about TGIF, which stands for what? Thank God I'm forgiven, right? Or thank God I'm found. Some of you are like, no, I, I prefer Friday. I prefer being Friday and then found. And that's okay, you know, I get that. But, but we, we as believers have to focus on the idea that we are doing what we're doing because we're found. We love Jesus because we're found. We love and we share Jesus because we're found. We worship and we give and we serve because we're found. Thank God I'm found. And there's no... There's no using God's name in vain here. We thank God that we're found. So we find out that as we process through our faith, we also find out that there's a dramatic difference between seeing people as redeemable as opposed to having to ream people. Right? It's very easy to be, when we start to see it as, you know, we are redeemed people, that God can help redeem others. Instead, our religiosity calls us to want to ream people, not redeem them. We want to beat them over and say, hey, you're doing it wrong. Who's to say? People work out their salvation, right? People work it out a little differently. People don't worship God just like you. People don't read just like you, just like people don't learn just like you. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you are physical learners? You like physical, visual instruments to help you learn. Raise your hand if that's you. You're visual learners. Yeah? Uh, I believe there's a, a what's, it, what's the term? Calisthenic? Kinesthetic. Kinesthetic. 
kinesthetic uh, people. And then, so there's other people that you prefer, you, you're logical and you, you can see it in your mind. How many learn that way by, by just seeing it? You see it in your mind that way. See, it's very different, right? Some have to see it with their physical eyes. Others have to see it in their own mind. And then there's other people who just learn just, and then you know how they learn. You just, you say something and they can repeat it and they can learn it and they'll know it the rest of their lives. So there's all different kinds of people who learn that way. You know what? There's also multiple different ways to present the gospel. And so we have to realize that as a church, we must do everything in our power to redeem people and do every facet of ministry that we can to glorify Jesus. Is that right? So, when we follow Jesus, I talked about a couple of things. There were four points, but we only covered two last week because we'll come back this week and do the other two. The first one, I don't know how many remember it, but your desire and ability to work are a part of God working in you. You remember that? Everything that we do is because God's working in us already. We talked about how uh, work has always been a part of God's plan for our lives. We talked about how be still and know that I am God doesn't mean you sit around doing nothing. How many interpreted that before? Some of you even use that as a scripture not to do anything. The Lord told me. It's very easy for the Lord to tell you be still and know that I am God. But that's not what that means. It means still your heart so you can hear him. It means don't be so preoccupied with the things of this world that it, it, it clutters your mind and it brings uh, a, something of clouding of judgment. God is saying, be still and focus on me and know that I am God. Not be still and do jack until Jesus comes. Come on, that's not what that means. Right? The, the kingdom of God is about work. It's about doing, God, doing God's work. Yes, but we never forget the Lord of the work. We can't get so busy in the work of the Lord that we forget the Lord of the work. Right? So we talked about two facts about the will of God. The will of God is not perfected, uh, is not perfected in us by our own works and efforts. Right? It's perfected through what? It's perfected through God himself. So your ability to follow God it's not determined by just you. It's about determined by how God works in and through you. So the second thought is this. You must realize that work is your duty. And it is our duty. It is all of our duties. And God commands us to be obedient. So that's in a nutshell what we talked about last week. Was that good? Was that good concise? Was that alright? Yeah. Did I put that in the caption? Y'all quiet this morning. I'm going to preach longer till I hear you say amen or something. Yeah. Y'all seriously need to get past this turkey thing. I'm serious. All right. So the second thought, you must realize that work is our duty. Here's the third thought as we begin this morning's part two of the father's business. Here's number three that I want to bring to you. For those of you that are doing life groups and things, uh, this is where we're picking up this week. You must realize that God is your employer. As followers of Jesus Christ, he's the one that we're trying to please. He's the one that we're trying to impress, not man. So when I preach to you, my job is not to impress you. My job is to impress upon you. So what I'm saying is, my job is not to impress you. That is for you to say, wow, great job, pastor. 
while I appreciate those, and I honestly, whenever you guys encourage me, I, I, I honestly believe it, and thank you, and I thank you so much for those encouragements. But I don't do what I do to impress you. I do what I have to do because God has called me to impress upon you these scriptures, these thoughts. And my prayer is that you join the life group. You join one of these wonderful groups that are happening. You'll hear more about that in the next few weeks. Because each one of you, some of you are running groups and you are blown out your mind. I've, I've been talking to people this past week. And I've been talking to people who have been saying, man, I'm so glad we started these groups up again. We're meeting in homes. We're meeting and we're talking. And we're hearing God's word. And we're talking about God's word. And we're eating food. God and food, food and God. There's a reason why fellowship is good. You see, when we realize that God is our employer, we realize that we are, when we are unfocused on the world, we only get worldly rewards. When we're focused on the world, we only get worldly rewards. But when we're focused on the Father... He remains to be perfect and he will bring perfection through the process. How many are a work in progress? Who's a work in progress? Raise your hand. Some of you are pointing at your spouse, your neighbor right now. That's okay. Some of you are like, you think you're raising your hand, but really you're doing this. Right? We've all been there. God is our employer and he is our focus. Amen. So the Bible stresses something. Can I tell you what the Bible stresses? The Bible stresses that when we do what we do, we do what we do because we're God-centered. We're God-centered. The Bible stresses us in, in, in Colossians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If you don't, we have it up on the screen, I think. Colossians chapter 3. And I want to teach for just a few moments. Can I do that? I I preach a lot, but I want to teach a little bit because Colossians 3, this one verse really speaks volumes to what I'm talking about right now. So pay attention to this. Tap or turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. And it reads like this. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Right? Right? So we're realizing that the scripture is very clear. We do this for an audience of one. One. We remain one in the spirit and we do it for an audience of one. God is all about the one. The one. He left the 99 to get the one. Right? And we look throughout scripture that one is a very important number in scripture. And that one is you. You're the one. The workman is to obey, that is, he is to follow the instructions of the one that is above him. For those of you that work in in any sort of organization, there's always going to be someone above you. And someone above them. And it almost never ends. There comes a point at the end of the organization that there is there. But even that guy, when he gets, when you get to the top, top, there's somebody that he answers or she answers to. Right? So there's always one to answer to. And so the attitude of the Christian workman is to not put our energy on the masses, but on the one. 
When we start realizing that God is our employer, we serve differently. We give differently. We honor differently. When we start realizing that that God is our employer, not man, not just a person that writes and signs the checks. There is one above all of that. So when you give and you serve and you love and you bake cookies for law enforcement or you buy diapers for a single mother or you do something else, whatever that looks like, you do it for an audience of one. That is the father's business. When you pray for your neighbor and you help them with their groceries or you help buy something for someone that's in need. How many love doing that? This is the season that we as a church, I can't tell you because I don't want to be that way. But I can't tell you how many times we try to step in and help people in times like this because it's difficult, especially now, right? I think I paid $800 to fill my tank this week, something like that. It felt like that, no lie. Right? Some of you are like, what kind of spaceship are you driving? <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Tony's driving a 16-wheeler. No, but, but, but it, this is the season, right? Where people are feeling that stretch and that pressure of, man, how am I going to afford gifts for my kids when I have this, that, and the other? And so what we're willing, whatever we do, we do it unto the Lord rather than unto people. Amen. Therefore, the Lord spells out at several clear, unmistakable directions to each of us that we are not to do eye service, but heart service. Heart service over eye service. What does that mean? Oh, um, let me do this so that everybody could see what I'm doing. That's eye service. Whereas over here, heart service says, I don't want anybody to know. But I want to help this couple get on their feet. That's heart service. You know which one God honors more? Let me tell you something. You will be recognized by man here. So you got your reward. But the one that nobody notices. Guess what? Who will reward you? Your father in heaven. God the father will honor you in heaven. That's what I love about. That's one thing I loved about when we switched to giving boxes. It's one thing I loved about it. First of all, the, the lack of pressure that you feel of something coming around and you don't have anything to give. Like, what's the, I got a business card. <laughs> Take that. Now, with giving boxes, people can give as they see fit. So we realize, that, man, this is this times are tough, times are this, times are that. But you know what's awesome? That we do is... Because he's watching, not because people are watching. Amen? The believer should always be at his best going beyond the call of duty. Because we have an employer, right, that takes good care of us. His benefits are out of this world. Some of you, did anybody get that one? Nobody got that one? Okay. He's working for the deepest reason that most of us can often overlook. The eternal purposes of his kingdom. See, we work oftentimes just to, you know, I work to make a paycheck. I get that paycheck. I cash it. And then I work to buy my own groceries, buy my, pay this bill and that, this, right? But what we do in the kingdom, the benefits are much different. We do to invest, invest, invest because our employer 
is good, good, good. Amen? That benefits to knowing God as the boss. And here's the three thoughts real quick. Number one, it will overcome disappointment when others don't acknowledge us. Right? If God is our boss and nobody acknowledges us, it's okay because that's not who I do it for. So there's a release there. There's a release of feeling that pressure. So when you know that God is your boss, number one, you don't feel disappointed when people don't acknowledge you. Because if you've ever done ministry longer than 30 minutes, you realize that people won't always acknowledge what you do. Hello? I thought I'd get some amens on that one. Hello? I'm going to wait. Good, you agree. So when God is our boss, we're not disappointed when people don't acknowledge us. Number two, it'll give you comfort and what we do well, knowing that God knows and cares. So we do it with our heart. And when we do it with our heart, something different transpires. How many have ever given physically something that you were reluctant to do? Come on, be honest, be honest. You were reluctant. You were like, I don't know if this person deserves it, but I'm going to do it anyway. And you're like, I don't know that I should. They don't deserve it. But then how many of you have ever given because you just know in your heart this is the right thing to do? Which one feels better? The heart one, right? Because you're in it. You're all about it. And so your, your emotions attach to that giving. And when you know that God honors the giver, the, the cheerful giver, not just monetarily. Understand, this is not about money. You realize that? Money is just a, a, a part of the big picture. But when you give of your time, your effort, your energy, whatever that looks like, your mind, your money, your minutes, all those things that you give, those things are what makes you as a person, right? And so when Jesus Christ is the one that you're doing it for, it means something different. The father's business is something so much more. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. Right? So the first one is, I'm not going to flip out when someone doesn't acknowledge me. Number two, I'm not going to be disappointed because he knows my heart and my deeds and my needs. Right? And the third thing, it'll encourage you to be faithful to the work of God no matter what the conditions are. Right, So we got a chance to go to, a couple years ago, we got a chance to go to Philadelphia. We got a chance to go to Philadelphia and a team of us went and we got to go to Kensington. Tina, you remember that? Come on, we went out to Kensington. Not many people cheer for going to Kensington. I'm going to be honest. The people in Kensington are not cheering because they're in Kensington. But we went there and we said we want to help out Philadelphia Dream Center, which is an amazing ministry. Right, and we said we want to help them out. We want to bless them. We pick them up as sponsors. We we uh, not sponsors. So we pick them up as missions, and we give to them every month. And let me tell you something: when we went there, can I tell you something? You better have God as your employer, because there are times that the conditions of what you do do not always line up with what you do every week. And when we went there, and we literally are handing out sandwiches in the street, three feet from you, there's a guy passed out, putting a needle in his arm. For those of you that went with us, you, I'm not lying. Feet from us. Feet from us. There's someone jacking up their lives that very moment because that's all they know. And here they are. Those conditions are not like the conditions you're sitting in right now. You got nice heat. How many got nice heat going on? Got a comfortable chair? Is that good? 
It's like, is the temperature, let's, we can put the fans on if we need to. Nice conditions, right? We can do that. That's nice conditions. That's great. But guess what? There are people right now, like when my wife and I went on a mission trip to Venezuela, we went to Venezuela and out there, they didn't have comfy, comfortable seats. You know what they had? Lawn chairs in the sanctuary. Plastic lawn chairs. That was their sanctuary seating. The conditions were different. They didn't have PowerPoint. They just pointed with power. That's all they did. They didn't have a big sound system. They had an acoustic guy playing on the guitar. One guy. Multiple people. And you know what I looked around and saw? People giving their lives to Jesus. Why? Their conditions weren't perfect. But if that's what it takes for you to worship, then you don't understand what worship is. Period. I say that in love, but I say that in honesty. If you need the right conditions to worship, it's not worship. If you need to know everything God is doing to worship, your mindset is wrong. I don't always understand everything God is doing. But that still doesn't stop me from worshiping. Come on. Am I getting an amen out here? The conditions are not always going to be right. So when we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our boss, when we acknowledge God as our savior and we're doing it to him, the conditions don't matter. Because you're about the father's business. Come on. You're about the father's business. So here's number four. That's three and here's four. You ready? Who's ready for number four? You must realize what is the work of God for the believer. Let me explain more through this verse. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Here's the work of God. Here's what we are called to do. It's real simple. Real simple. Follow me on this. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples this. I have been given all authority. Come on somebody. All authority. In heaven and on earth, therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you, even to the end of the age. I think Jesus was trying to say here something pretty important. Because when he said, baptize them, and then he said, teach them to be these new disciples to obey. And then he says, I'm with you. Meaning, there's going to be tough times when you're teaching people. They're not going to do what you say to do all the time. Right? How many of you had children that the first time you told them to clean their room, they always did it? Anybody? Some of you are laughing like hysterically right now. Right? Like, there's no way. Sometimes it doesn't, it takes to the third or fourth time. Hey, focus. Hey, right here, look at me. Clean your room. Why are you walking that way? Your room's this way. Look at me. Stop. Clean your room this way. Right? It takes time, right? That's why Jesus is like, listen, um, baptize, teach, disciple. And remember, I'm with you. Because you're going to need it. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you never seen scripture like that. But welcome to my brain. 
Welcome to my brain. He's with you. He's with you even to the end of the age. So here's our job description. Are you ready? To be about the Father's business. Number one, we are to evangelize the lost. We have to evangelize the lost. He has commanded us to go and make disciples. That's our call. That's loving, that's loving the people that are unlovable. Not just the ones that are lovable. You, you, you met both, right? Have you ever met both? How many know both? Lovable, unlovable. Switch hands, switch hands. Lovable, unlovable. Some of you are like, Pfft. Right? He's called us to love everyone. That doesn't always mean you like them, but you got to love them. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Some of y'all just, you had Thanksgiving with some of them. So watch this. So we called to evangelize. <laughs> that was subtle, wasn't it? <laughs> subtle as a brick. Our mindset should be that of Christ. To seek and save that which was lost. Luke 19.10. Seek and save. Seek and save. Seek and save. That's evangelizing the lost. Number two, baptize the convert. Someone says, I know, I want to know Jesus. You lead them to Jesus. No, well, don't, no, come to church. You want to know Jesus? Great. Come to church with me on Sunday. I'm going to pick you up and pastor's going to tell you everything you need to know. No, 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 no. You don't know. Tomorrow's not promised. You need to learn how to stop for a moment, shut everything out and say, this is the most important moment of your life. And you sit down with them and you say, here's what you need to know. Jesus came and he died for you. He died for your sins and he died for mine. If you acknowledge him as the one and only person that could forgive you of your sins, let's pray together right now. Hello? I cannot tell you how many <laughs> thousands of people my wife and I in our ministry life have led together to the Lord. I can't tell you that number because I don't even know it. I don't know that and that's not to boast. That's because we constantly blanket the opportunity to receive Jesus. Why? Because you never know. Tomorrow's never promised to anyone. Amen. Bible tells us very specifically and very deliberately that life is a vapor. You ever talk to somebody that didn't know the next day they were going to pass and when they passed you said, I wish I could have said more. I wish I could have done more. Life is a vapor. So what he's saying is once you get somebody and you brought somebody to Jesus, man, let me tell you something. If you bring somebody to Jesus and you're like, Pastor Tony, I I, I come to Jesus. Now I want to be baptized. Listen, we're going to do everything in our power to make that happen. It's cold right now. so a little tricky. You want to be careful and get out there and frostbite yourself. But we'll make it happen. We'll, We'll find a way. Right? Because God has called us. Not just to evangelize, but to baptize. Baptism is important because Christ is that essential element. There's two things that we do as a church all the time. And that's baptisms through the year and and communion. Those are two very important elements. Our commitment to follow God, to follow him through the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit and realizing that, Lord, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be baptized and I'm supposed to step up my life and give it to you. Amen. So we see evangelize the lost. We also see baptize the convert. The third thing is teach the converts. What do we do? We teach the converts. Here we drop the ball many times as a church, don't we? Sometimes we have these Bible studies and options. And sometimes we need to walk people through this a little more closely. Listen, if you brought somebody to church, don't just bring them to church and leave them at the altar. Be like, hey, great. I hope everything works out for you. Pastor will take good care of you. They got a great team. 
No, they already entrusted you. Maybe you're a part of the process here, right? Walking them through this, making sure that they follow all the commands. Let's walk together on this. You mess up. Okay. All right. All right. You messed up. Let's ask God for forgiveness. Let's keep the ball rolling, right? Let's keep the ball rolling because sanctification doesn't happen overnight. What is sanctification? It's that process that God works out the sin in our lives and our hearts and puts the holy things in place. And that takes time. That takes time, right? And that's why he promises this. I am with you. That's why he emphatically said this. He says, I am with you even to the end of the age. What does that mean? For the long haul. You with me? God is with you for the long haul. That's all that means. He's saying, I'm not just with you for like a little while, you know. Like, you know, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm on this plane ride with you, so ask me anything. But when I get to my destination, I'm going to get off, and then you can ask anything more. No, God is not saying that. He's saying, I'm with you even to the end of the age. That means that until you breathe your last breath or that person breathes their last he's with you. He's with you. So that's why we bring people to Jesus. We teach them. And so, number one, the great promise, I am with you. Number two, the eternal partner, always and always to the end of the age. He's with us. So let's look at this real quickly. Matthew 17, 20. You don't have enough faith, Jesus told him. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. You know, I talked to somebody the other week. And this is where I believe God has called me. Uh, to stay away from mountains, cold, snow-filled mountains. I'm not called to climb mountains. I'm a Puerto Rican raised in the Bronx. I like warm things, warm rooms. Don't like mountains. I was doing a retreat one time. I don't know if I told this story before, but I'll tell it anyway. I was out doing this convention at this camp. And get this, watch this, Montana. Can I tell you something? Montana be cold. I was up there and I believe it was Butte, Montana. I believe it was only Butte because it was supposed to be beautiful, but they were so cold they couldn't finish the word. <laughs> this place is Butte. Oh. No, you don't. Wonderful people. Horrible cold. I was up there on this mountain in this conference and I'm, I'm, I'm preaching at this youth convention. The youth are like, yeah, they're jumping, they're praising God, they're surrendering at the altar. Wonderful service, I'm preaching my guts out, sweating and stuff inside, inside, inside. They got saved, delivered, set free, called in the ministry and then free time happens and they're like, Pastor Tony, come with us. And I'm like, cool, where? They're like, We're going to go hiking. And I said, how about you take a picture and show me when you get back? They were confused. I said, I'm a warm, I'm a warm blooded creature. God bless you. May his face shine upon you because you need all the shine you can get. Because it's cold out there. They came back. They were like, Pastor Tony, we had a blast. I said, yeah. They were like, it's 27 below zero. 27 below zero. I said, no way. I'm so glad the Lord spared my life. I would have died. There would have been a Puerto Rican out there. 
like a Puerto Rican icicle. I don't know what a Puerto Rican icicle looks like, but that'd be me. 27 below zero. I said, that's not of God. So what am I saying? I'm saying to you that God has called me to move mountains, not climb them. So that's why the scripture means so much to me. He's called me to move mountains, not climb them. That's too much work. Too much cold. But our faith should be that of moving mountains. Because some of you have been through some mountains this year, haven't you? God is asking you to speak to that mountain today. Because when you're about the father's business, there's nothing he wouldn't do for you. When you're about the father's business, he's willing. If you ask and you say, move from here to there, God will do that. You know, sometimes God wants to remove difficulties. But that doesn't mean that God always stops them from coming your way. Right? Sometimes mountains come your way. And prayer and faith can do anything for the sake of God. They can remove all kinds of mountains, fear, disappointment, depression, despair, sickness, temptation, guilt, weariness, loneliness, persecution, and heartache. Those are all things that God can remove when we're about the Father's business. So let me, let me conclude this thought for you in just a moment here. Because I want to ask you this question. How can we overcome That prayer and faith, asking God, Lord, help me to be about your business. Help me to be about the Father's business. So the charge today is real simple. Here it is. Are you ready? Do not lag in zeal. Do not lag in your desire to know him. Do not lag in your pursuit of the master. The word slothful means to be lazy Slow-moving, sluggish, lethargic, complacent, hesitating, and delaying. The scripture is very specific about being, do not be slothful. What does that mean? That means that do not be slow-moving or complacent. Do not be sluggish or delaying. Because you know that delayed obedience is still disobedience? Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Are you with me? Are you guys processing this? Because sometimes we think, oh, God will be there for me always. Yeah, he will. But delayed obedience is still disobedience. That doesn't change the fact that you disobeyed. And sometimes there are repercussions to disobedience, right? Will he leave you? Not necessarily. Will that opportunity be there again? Not necessarily. I don't know what that looks like because everybody's situation is different. But here's what I do know. When you're about the father's business... There's a passion that has to come forth that's bigger than our desire to be complacent. Is that making sense? See, once upon a time, there was a respected church. Right? A respected church. Not so much anymore. People don't look at pastors or religious people the same. People don't look at the church the same anymore. Because there have been so many things that happened, right? But those things that happened don't reflect on me. Let me say, let me ask you something. If a restaurant shut down because of health reasons, listen to me. If a restaurant was shut down because the health department came in and said, this is below quality, this is below the standards, and you broke multiple laws, we have to shut you down. Let me ask you this question. Should we then shut down every restaurant in the city 
because that restaurant failed their health examination or the health, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Assessment or whatnot. Yes, inspection. Should we sh- then shut down all the restaurants in the city? That one shut down because it had something wrong with it. Listen, don't discount what God is doing in the church of Jesus Christ. If you are hurt somewhere, it doesn't mean you're going to be hurt everywhere. If someone hurts you, that doesn't mean everyone's going to hurt you. If you were disappointed by someone, something, organization, leader, pastor, job, whatever that looks like, doesn't mean every job is going to be that. Stop putting that stigma on somebody else or another place because everyone is different. Why? Because we are constantly trying to work out our business so we can replace it with the father's business. Does that make sense? So know this as we come to a close. Worship team, come. Decide that we are going to be fervent in spirit matters. Decide that we're going to be fervent in spirit matters. I want to do a song here today to close this living hope because we did it earlier and I think it embodies what we're talking about. So if you would, just put your Bibles to the side for a moment and if you are right where you're at, would you stand with me for a moment? Because every single one of us are about the Father's business. All across this room, would you stand with me for a moment? We are the church of Jesus Christ. And unless we realize that we are the extension of hope. Look at me. Everyone look at me. You are an extension of hope to the world. We are the extension of evangelism. We are the extension of baptizing people. We are the extension of everything God wants to do in this world. The world is looking for a reason to believe. How many believe that, honestly? They're looking for a reason to have hope. They're looking for something to cling on and to cling to. And unfortunately, there's been some failures, whether it's moral failures from leaders or failures from a, a church or failures from this, that, and the other. And people look and go, can I trust anyone anymore? Well, listen. Again, let me bring you back to one thought. And here it is. He is our boss. and He is the one we serve. And because we serve him and he will never fail, we can continue moving forward. Because he is every bit the loving God you would ever imagine a God to be. And more. So what I'm going to ask you today is simply this. Are you willing to be about the Father's business this week see we're headed to a season now that is very easy to be focused on just doing 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 and we're doing this we're going to that party we're going to this Christmas dinner we're doing it and so much that we even heard earlier our schedule is booked it's not easy is it but don't try to do the work of God without being in the heart of God and letting that heart of God beat in you. Amen? Let that heart of God beat in you. And when you let the heart of God beat in you, the Father's business becomes a lot easier. The work of the Lord becomes a lot easier.
he's the one that we serve. So with heads bowed all across the room, heads bowed at home right now. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would release your living hope. Jesus, that you are the one that we strived to get to know. And because we do know you, we can focus on you alone. Yes, we serve man, but we serve man because we served you first. Yes, we love man. We love man because we loved you first. But really, you loved us first. Thank you for loving us even when we were unlovable. So today, we lean on you, our living hope. And we decide to be fervent in the matters of our spirituality. Because we are more spirit man than we are physical man. We will last longer. Our spirit will be on. Will go, our soul will be forever. Our spirit will strive with man for only so long. But with you, our spirit will live forever. So help us to focus on the matters that really matter and have eternal value. It is in the name of Jesus we pray.